0: Hi, I'm Fred Burton. Welcome to Essential Geopolitics. I'm here today with Evan Reese, who's one of our Asia-Pacific analysts. Welcome, Evan. Thank you, Fred. Evan, we hear so much about U.S.-China trade issues, but you've been focusing a lot uh, about South Korea and Japan. So help me understand why and what's important from that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot happening on the trade scene on the world stage. You know, the the U.S. is staging all these trade wars. But you have these two U.S. allies that at this point are sort of at each other's throats. Japan and South Korea. Um, back in July, Japan put export restrictions on South Korea that limited certain chemicals that are really critical for South Korea's display in semiconductor sectors. Uh, sounds pretty banal, but the motivation for this um, is that Japan is upset with South Korea going after Japan's World War II-era legacy. Uh, South Korean courts have been awarding damages to victims of forced labor by Japanese companies Um, and South Korea has been pushing for apologies and reparations from Japan that Japan absolutely insists that it has already done. So Japan made this unprecedented move of uh, putting trade restrictions on South Korea, uh, moving things from that nationalist to that economic realm, sort of in the way that President Trump has done, Um, and that's kicked off tensions over the last few months. Um, that have, to some extent, damaged South, Koreans, South Korea's economy and certainly damaged their bilateral trade, um, putting the U.S. alliance structure sort of in a little bit of uh, questionable territory.
0: Yeah, that's, that's my question on this. Uh, you have two very good U.S. allies here that appear to be uh, fighting over this issue. So how, how is the U.S. reacting to this issue?
1: So the U.S. has been trying to uh, manage the situation and, uh, and control the damage, basically. I mean, of course, both countries are sort of the keystone of the U.S. alliance strategy in the Pacific. Um, both are key in efforts to try to counterbalance China's rise. Um, and also, with North Korea potentially heating up again in 2020, Uh, the U.S. is very interested in making sure these two countries are cooperating directly with one another and not just with the United States. So this has already had impacts or nearly had impacts with South Korea planning to exit an intelligence sharing pact with Japan. Oh, really? Yes. So at the last minute, South Korea made the decision to remain in that, but it's still kind of in question. And if South Korea and Japan start to drift further away from one another, that puts friction and difficulty Uh, in the U.S. alliance structure, and it means the U.S. needs to continue to act as a mediator and a sort of a a center point for the two of them, and it's a long-term trouble for the United States.
0: Evan, with South Korea and Japan at each other's throats on this issue, who wins? What nation-state wins with this?
1: To some extent, China does, because China can step in as sort of the mediator. Actually, uh, China has gotten the two sides together or tried to get the two sides together, and it can kind of show that it's the neutral party that can... uh, get the two to work things out, where the U.S. has had a little bit more trouble. Um, also, in terms of economic relationships, China has become a significantly more, more important economic trade partner for both countries over the past decades, and this is another opportunity for China to uh, make those connections. As Japan and South Korea begin to think of one another as a less reliable trade partner, they begin to realize that they need to diversify even further away from one another.
0: In 2020, from a forecasting perspective, as you look at this issue playing out, what are the two takeaways that you would think would be important for our listeners and viewers to know?
1: So one of the key things to watch for is whether Japan and South Korea can compromise, whether they can reach some sort of middle ground uh, that sees South Korea lay aside some of its hardline push towards Japan and Japan climb back on its export restrictions. Um, That's the key thing that we're watching for right now. Um, and that's going to depend on meetings in the next few weeks between the two sides. The other thing that we're watching for is uh, whether or not this sort of trade war tension situation actually plays out in the South Korean legislative elections in April. President Moon Jae-in uh, is sort of entering you know, the second half of his term, twilight years, potential lame duck status. And uh, his coalition in parliament is now in question, And if the conservatives in South Korea can win out on this issue against him, especially at a time when the economy is so weak, that could make him a very weak president.
0: Would there be anything that would surprise you in this?
1: I think what would surprise me is if you get some sort of absolute take-it-to-the-bank breakthrough deal that makes South Korea and Japan uh, less likely to break back into these sort of tensions. I think the much more likely scenario is this becomes an issue long-term where South Korea continues to go after Japan's wartime legacy at unpredictable intervals and continues to trouble the relationship. And then you have the two sides sort of not drifting away from each other per se in a deep, deep sense, but this is just a continued issue of friction and tension between them.
0: Well, thank you, Evan. For those of you who would like more information on Stratfor's analysis in the region, please visit uh, worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. I'm Fred Burton. And I'm Evan Reese. Thank you.